0: That's why I was like I was looking, and I saw Facebook. Okay, um, we're live. you? Hey, Mr. Cyber, how are
1: you? Oh, of course, lovely. We love Mr. Sniper. Now, the reason that we have a Facebook link in the document for the podcast—he's there, killer. He's there. For those of you that might not have picked up, looking we'll at the waveform, might not have picked up. Sam hit the microphone. I did hit the microphone. It was an accident. But I used I used a Facebook link because that's where I first saw it, and I just oh. wanted to make sure I didn't lose it. I, I have I have since updated the link as a and d Beyond link for the article. Did I? It
0: still says Facebook. I still have, where's my fucking...
1: Yeah, dndbeyond.com slash posts and then it has the Facebook tag at the end so that it's like a source tag from where that link was originally clicked from. Wow. Come now, Sam. You work in you work in IT. You should know I this. I don't work... Yeah, I work in back end. Touche.
0: Regardless. It could be better. Regardless. Oh, sorry to hear that. List. Oh, well... All right. <laughs> are we, this is, are this we recording? This is a fucking
1: mess. Yes, we've been recording. When, we usually, You usually make a big deal to go out recording. You didn't. I know. But I, we, were, we were kind of rolling into it. That's also why I repeated the whole Facebook thing. Oh, okay. you know, well, yeah. But now we're pulling the veil back on all of that, I uh, you
0: You're seeing the behind-the-scenes here yeah. at the Dungeon Bros HQ. Yeah, yeah.
1: Anyway, this is episode 33 of the illustrious Dungeon Bros podcast. I'm Connor. And I'm Sam. we are not brothers. Nor are we in a dungeon. But... We love D and D again. I mean, to be fair, we never stopped, we never stopped loving D and D. That's true. That is true. It is Wizards of the Coast that we took issue with. Yes, and while we may not love them anymore, they are slowly scraping themselves from the shit list. You know, they're
0: they're they they, they poop their pants in public. Let's they say did, that, they, oh,
1: and then <laughs> and everybody's been everybody's been shaming them. Rightfully so. Rightfully As so. They didn't just simply shit their pants and were ashamed of it and then went to clean themselves up. They shit their pants and were like, yeah, we're shitting our pants. Why aren't you letting us shit our pants? Fuck you. Yeah. And made a big deal about it with everyone. And it everyone. was smelly. Everybody, No one could take their test. Yeah. Then we started taking all of their shit from them. <laughs> we stopped giving them money. Yeah. We started spraying them with water. And now they're like, you know what? We've listened to the community and we think we shouldn't shit our pants anymore i'm sure that this is that there's going to be report. at least a, there's going to be at least a shart
0: here in the next couple of weeks there's going to be constant sharts, it's i gonna,
1: think Well, i mean that's
0: they've been sharting for they they're going to they're going to they're gonna try to recontrol their bowels yes but yes. i don't think anybody's going to uh let them get away with um even the, the those that just eek out
1: yeah they're not even it, they might be able to get away with a silent but deadly fart mm-hmm. but the moment they start like doing like butt cheek clapping farts that's People are already on edge oh, yeah. with the shitting pants incident. So, For those of you not tracking this metaphor at all... <laughs> we kind of got lost a little bit. Uh, tune into last week's, or last episode of the podcast, episode 32, where uh, we did the deep dive of everything that Wizards of the Coast has done to just completely fuck up any goodwill they've built over the last decade and a half. Yep. Uh, they, they tried to create a new version of the open gaming license for content creators, and... Uh, it was bad. It was bad. It was real bad. No one liked it. You can get into the details of that later, but for this episode, things are good again. Things are on their way to being good again. They're they're on their way to being good, and it seems that the community at large has actually made an impact on a large corporation. Well done, hey guys. Well done. Good job. Go us. Good job. Go team. Go go team. Go, go everyone. Go team. Well done. When you cancel a bunch of subscriptions to a subscription service, it kind of makes them rethink what they're doing, mm-hmm. which <laughs> I still I still can't believe that, like, the the cancellation portal on their website for subscriptions just Went crashed down. entirely. It was ludicrous. Uh, but before we get into all of that, before we get into all of that, we're Critical Role fans. Yeah. We We've been Critical Role fans. That's what got us into D&D in many ways. Yeah. It's what got me into D and D at the very least.
0: I learned a lot for uh, uh, about the way I do D and D from them, mm-hmm. not entirely based on them, but yes, enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it for many years. Indeed, Have, are you
1: familiar with the Creator Clash?
0: Uh, vaguely, I know. I didn't. I didn't watch it the past the first one, um, and I heard things from from one of our
1: buddies uh, Shitsu posting saying it was mm-hmm. a
0: little disappointing.
1: I mean, well, at the end of the day, uh, the Creator Clash, for those that don't know, is a bunch of online creators from an innumerable num so many spheres of YouTube, TikTok, streaming, everything. Uh they got together last year and they created a boxing card with just a bunch of boxing fights and all the money they were ra- most of the money they raised went to various charities. they mm-hmm. They're doing Creator Clash 2, kind of like WrestleMania now. It's going to be the it's going to be the the content creator of WrestleMania, except they're actually fighting each other more.
0: Yeah, well, I mean Yep. Still entertainment.
1: Uh, for those of you, it's kind of similar to what, uh, there's a streamer Ludwig. He put on this chess boxing card with like a lot of really, really big names in it, mm-hmm. including himself, like C-Dog Va and uh, some other large streamers, uh, which is kind of a similar vibe, except they were doing chess boxing, which is a round of boxing and a round of chess, and then they go back back and forth. It's hilarious. Love chess boxing. <laughs> One of the most underrated combat intelligent sports of all time. Uh, but the creator, Clash... The reason you might be thinking why are, why are we talking about this? Creator Clash 2, Electric Boogaloo. Yes. They just announced they're going to be doing it in April and one Marisha Ray of Critical Role will be participating in a fight against someone, I don't remember who. I did not not a creator we follow or look to for but Spiration, Pop Pop Marisha Ray Pop Pop bob Bob is going to be boxing. <laughs> And the Crit Role Foundation is one of the charities that will be a benefactor of the money raised. There's also a ton of other creators. Uh, that, like literally, you can look at the poster and it's like two dozen plus creators from all over the internet. Uh, I listened to a PlayStation podcast and one of them, Chris Reagan Monardo, is also in the Creator Clash mm. fighting against a guy from like old internet, which is ridiculous. It, the whole, the whole, the whole concept of this is just completely ridiculous. But very exciting. Going to raise a lot of money. It's it
0: it seems to be one of the boxing just seems to be the easiest like fundraising collaborative sport that people come up with because yeah. there's actually we live in uh, the the greater Cincinnati area and there is a local brewery boxing mm-hmm. uh tournament that happens. I don't think it used to happen every year. I think it kind of died out with the pandemic. I don't remember if it started up again, but the same thing where yeah. every brewery would submit a uh Submit a boxer or a person to go to a box the max, and uh, they yeah again donate all the proceeds to charity. That's, boxing,
1: boxing is just so fascinating about all the spheres that it can overlap into. Oh yeah, not none that you would expect even, and of course this whole trend of like online creators doing boxing matches started with like the, the wonderful he hmm. said sarcastically. Yeah. Logan Paul and then KSI And their various boxing matches And then they're trying to like get into UFC Shit and it's like You're going one way we're going the let's keep it Goofy and fun yeah <laughs> So Marisha Ray will be at the creator clash uh, Some other wonderful critical Royal news alongside this they announced well, This is all happening during Season two of the legend of ox machina Which we watched the episodes Up to episode what is it six that's six. out right now Yeah I think it's decidedly we, better than the First season we
0: mainlined them it's definitely well, the the, the they haven't they have established they have established something for the people who are not native, mm-hmm. um to the Critical Role fandom because they were well, actually it did bringing a lot of people to their fandom. Oh yeah, uh, first season. So yeah, the second season being able to just right
1: off the bat hit him with the hit them with the hot stuff. Hit them with the hot stuff right out of the gate. I think the animation quality is better. I think the writing is better. The pacing I think is a lot better. So I, I I like season two a lot. Season so two far. is I'm enjoying it, yeah. But alongside the these two announcements, they announced there will be a Mighty Nine animated series that is being funded by Amazon. The the entire absurdity that is Critical Role, leading to multiple highly profitable animated shows on fucking Amazon Prime, is ridiculous. Oh yeah. This this is one of those stories of a company and people that just transcends logic in a lot of ways right
0: you know you go back to their origin story of of the the stream itself where it was like you know the first time they did it the producers over at uh, Geek and Sundry when it was back there didn't even know what D&D was really yeah like this was Matt Mercer like well we could do this and they're like well oh so there's a video game aspect to it and he goes nah, no no no
1: um, it was also a Pathfinder home game. It was before. a Pathfinder home
0: game that they converted to 5e yeah
1: it, it, all of that then the first like 30 episodes of the first campaign kind of being objectively poor quality.
0: again they were well, <laughs> this wasn't like well support <laughs> this was a this was more or less just a they were just
1: doing it for They were just a green light this was like all right, we'll green light it for now we'll see what happens and then. Campaign. I feel like the big inflection point was when campaign one ended, they'd like figured out all their production shit. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, all right, we're starting a brand new campaign. It's episode one. It gave an easy way for people to get into it because myself included, I got in at the beginning of campaign one with episode one, like the week it came out because I wanted to start watching Critical Role, but I didn't want to watch the like 124 hour episodes to get caught up. So I just started at campaign two. And from there, it just, it exploded unbelievably. Mm -hmm. And you remember their stretch goals for the first kicks for the Kickstarter for the animated legend of Ox Machina was like, they topped out at like a million dollars. Yeah. Well,
0: originally it was supposed to be a three episode arc, I think. Yeah. And then they're like, Oh wait, we've got it. Okay. We'll do six.
1: Oh, I guess we're doing a full season. We've just been picked up by Amazon. <laughs> literally. Literally, it went from, oh, you blew past all of our stretch goals in like a couple hours. Okay, we're expanding the stretch goals. Oh, you blew past all of those. Oh, it's now up to like seven and a half, eight million dollars. Oh, Amazon is basically doubling the amount of money we get so that we can put it on Amazon Prime. And now it's just free for anybody with Prime, which is basically everybody.
0: If not, you can find somebody and yeah. steal their Amazon password by beating them up or yeah. asking nicely. Either way.
1: I prefer beating them up. The, the the entire arc of this is unbelievable. And the number of and the number of production companies that I'm sure were like ah, we should have damn it. <laughs> They're just <laughs> kicking themselves and it's like, "Oh, Amazon was the one." Yeah. Big Corpo Amazon was the one that did it. That was fascinating. Anyway, anyway, moving on, we've got some upcoming releases for The Magic of the Gathering and the Dungeons and Dragons. Yep, Phyrexia All Will
0: Be One will be coming out February 10th, uh, which is a little a little less than two weeks away from less now. Less than two weeks from the recording of this podcast. I'm
1: I'm a lot more excited for Phyrexia All Will Be One now that all of the um the spoiler season and they basically shown every card. In yeah, the
0: set. they led the they dropped the card list. Yes, I've seen some really cool ones.
1: Um, I I'm I'm, I'm going to build a toxic deck. Yeah, I toxic toxic in the mechanic and also in. <laughs> just being toxic I mean most of your decks are toxic I, <laughs> you kidding me joda joda's not really toxic To kind of toxic but then it's just tribal it's just tribal beat down with uh, with combat tricks
0: you're toxic as a person
1: how's that okay um, um yeah <laughs> then in April we're gonna get march of the machine April 21st for D d upcoming we've got keys from the golden vault. Which is like a heist anthology thing. There's been some write ups recently because during all of this OGL stuff, they needed to release information about it, and uh, kind of got overlooked. Didn't didn't really want to make a big splash about it either in yeah. the midst of all of this. But it's going to be a heist theme adventure anthology, similar in the vein of Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel and the Candlekeep Mysteries. A whole bunch of one shots. We're in favor of these style of D and D books, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you what do you think of the themes here? of the heist. Heist. I will be very interested to see this because
0: I feel like a heist is a native... It's like everybody wants to do a heist at some point in their D&D campaign. Personally speaking, I find a heist
1: somewhat difficult to write. Very difficult. Mysteries too, which is why... Mysteries too. Which is why I think Candlekeep Mysteries was just such a great product, Mm -hmm. generally speaking. So I
0: think that uh, this... The Keys from the Golden Vault... Um, if done well, again, if done well, if done well, could really open up and, uh, teach and, and, you know, have people look how to play, uh, play a heist, how to run a heist. And then, you know, hopefully here in the coming, the coming years, uh, we can look back and f- and find uh, different YouTube masterclasses based uh, on how to, how to run a heist that are
1: Man, better. I hope, I hope we can make a masterclass. class. One day, that'd be cool. That'd be awesome. That'd be cool. But keys from the golden vault, journeys through the radiant citadel, and candlekeep mysteries—great value books. They're gonna be. You're gonna be able to carry them forward into one D and D, backwards compatible. And then also, it's just here's a mystery and a setup mm-hmm. that you can play within whatever command with the, whatever mechanics you want to. I highly suspect this book will be good. Um, we'll see if it
0: uh, gets If if it gets a good reception Again, due to all this uh, uh, The OGLs The OGL Nonsense um, Yes, the charcuterie? No yeah. um, <laughs> There's a word that I'm looking for But I can't think of it But all all this butt fuckery that's going on Of course, of course. Um,
1: Yeah, it's rough It's rough And another thing We didn't get a 1D&D playtest this month We did not presumably because of all of this stuff. The Cleric UA, uh, the survey was open until January 20th. That was over a week ago at the recording of this. And it. if things, I think things have calmed down enough that we can probably expect either the day this podcast posts, which would be our luck, or in the <laughs> week after, like the week of the posting of this podcast, we should probably be getting another... Uh, Unearthed Arcana for one D and D. Another one. Another one, which would be great. And uh, if you want to check out our previous Unearthed Arcana, we did a bonus episode podcast with uh, another a fellow creator and personal friend of mine, uh, Feldelab Norb. On YouTube, you can check out the bonus episode of the podcast on podcast services around the globe as well as our YouTube. Let's get into the big thing, though. The big thing. The big one. On. January 27th. Friday, January 27th, there was a post on D&D Beyond from Kyle Brink, the one who, uh, an executive producer for Dungeons & Dragons, who originally posted the we're going to do a survey about OGL like we treat every other homebrew that we have to see what people think. Within just a couple of days, they had over 15,000 respondents. And here's the big data that they pulled. 88% do not want to publish tabletop RPG content under the proposed OGL 1.2, which is basically, instead of 1.1, they're like, we'll do 1.2, and it's like basically exactly the same, with some minor changes. 90% would have to change some aspects of their business to accommodate OGL 1.2. 89% are dissatisfied with deauthorizing OGL 1.0A, the original OGL that 5e has been operating under. 86% are dissatisfied with the draft virtual tabletop policy, and then 62% are satisfied with including the system reference document, SRD, content in Creative Commons, and the majority of those who are dissatisfied asked for more system reference document content in Creative Commons. So here's what, here's what they've said. In response to this feedback, they're leaving OGL 1.0A in place as is untouched. So one, so the original OGL that we've been functioning under for 5e will remain intact as it is. Second, they're going to make the entirety of SRD 5.1, which is the system reference document for the entire 5e system, available under the Creative Commons license. And third, we will be able to pick which license you want to use. This is going beyond what I think anybody was expecting from them. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I was expecting...
0: So we saw them double down basically immediately after all the leaks came out, and then we had a um a very corporate, a very legalese esque apology. Yeah. Um, not really even an apology. Not really an apology where they blame the community uh, for being stupid, basically. Yeah. And then and then we got a we got the Kyle Brink
1: apology, which seemed a little more true, a little more. Now Kyle Brink specifically, executive producer of D and I bet he actually like gives a shit. oh yeah, and this isn't coming from him. This isn't coming from like any of Chris Perkins, any names you would recognize. Yeah. from Wizards of the Coast. It's not them no. it's it's from the freaking board of directors and CEO and all that dumb stuff. Yeah, so so with that,
0: no one was no one was in on the side of Wizards of the Coast at that point. And we almost expected them to double down again. I think almost expected them I to be was, like, "For sure, oh yeah." Almost be a double down. Da- expect them to double down and be like, "Well, you, we we hear that you don't like it, but we're gonna do it anyway." Okay, well, we've we, we're taking out the royalties thing, but you know, we still need to be able to control this, that, and the other. So to hear that they said that that they see this and they and then and ninety percent of people, eighty five percent up, are dissatisfied with almost everything you've put out yeah to actually accept that as a company at large and say all right well that thing that we've probably been working on for a while is just we're just canceling it we're shutting it down yeah. to 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 go from so what what i assume based in in corporate terms is that the OGL 1.2 or 2.0 whatever the leaked one was originally was greenlit that means it was go it was right for go live and then after this, to take something from ready-for-go live to canceled is a huge corporate like process. And a hu- there's going to be people arguing about
1: it for days. So to see that actually happened is uh, incredible. Absolutely. Absolutely. And don't be fooled by the messaging of this. This isn't they wanted feedback. This is we forced their hand mm-hmm. into doing what we wanted. The only reason this was happening, it all, I, I would argue—it's not because of the leak. It's not because of the outrage on Twitter. It's not because of hashtag Open D and D. It's not because of the various like the the petitions online and all of that. It's because people canceled their subscriptions. Yep, that okay. is exactly why this happened. It affected their bottom line directly. I think I think it's safe to say, policy of the Dungeon Bros: vote with your wallet. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely vote with your wallet. If you don't like a product. Don't buy it. If you don't like what a company is doing, stop buying their products. Cancel your subscriptions. D and D Beyond subscriptions are the metric they're looking at when it comes to is this a positive or negative impact. Oh, yeah. They so many people unsubscribed from D and D Beyond that the negative impact in their revenue from that would have offset any benefit they would have gotten from royalties in forcing through this next OGL, which just goes to show the scale at which people were unsubscribing.
0: Yeah. We know we we know plenty of people who will just blanket buy anything that a company that they that they enjoy the product of come, you know. If, if Wizards puts out something we know people will just buy it because. I mean, we, we kind of do that because we kind we, of. But, you know, at this point, uh those people who are, say are are those people are what our
1: Wizards are relying on to have that steady income. Yeah. And subscription-based income, obviously. Oh, yeah. So, for example, on our live stream right now, we have the the wonderful Dragonlance book in front of us. The book that came out in December that we still haven't talked about. Nope. I haven't felt compelled to read it right now because of all this nonsense. Next episode of the podcast, things might have calmed down enough without enough things to talk about that we can actually go into the Dragonlance book. Because I think there's a lot of good stuff in there.
0: There's some very interesting stuff.
1: And we can get into that some other time. The rest of this statement is very interesting. They released a version of the SRD with the Creative Commons license, and they said that in the coming week, they're going to put it in a more permanent place on their website so you don't have to reference this random article. But they wanted to get it out immediately to show their commitment to this. Mm -hmm. The reason for that, once something is officially published with the Creative Commons license, you no longer own that content. Yep. Period. You can't own it again. It's it's At this point, the 5E system reference document, you can do whatever you want with it, mm-hmm. which I think is a massive move that I certainly was not expecting. That being said, this document does not say anything about 1D&D. Nope. It does not say that they're going to put the next system reference document under Creative Commons, but... It seems for the time being that 1D&D will at least operate under the same OGL 1.0A license that 5E operated under. And we'll probably hear more about this in the future when we get closer to the release of 1D&D. Mm-hmm. Which we're still well over
0: a year away from that now. I'm sure there'll be plenty of more controversy. Um, one thing we... we, I've, The Creative Commons, there is... I haven't. I have looked at the. Uh, we're not lawyers. We're not lawyers, but I did see some people talking about well, um, putting things on the Creative Commons actually opens it up even you know a little more for certain things like uh, product identity or mm-hmm. uh, uh, protected identity of things like the beholder Strahd, etc. Things that Wizard said beforehand, you can't use this. Because uh, it's a it's name, a we can. It's a character. Hypothetically, under the Creative Commons license, you can use those characters in name only, um, which is still interesting. Means hypothetically, you could produce your own uh, your own addition or your own add-on content to the Curse of Strahd or yeah. something like that. But uh, this has been this has been uh, since Friday. It's Monday now as we're recording this the community hasn't had that much time to digest it the community hasn't
1: had that much time to start working with it i think they're they everyone's just kind of mostly happy that this fight seemingly is over for the time being
0: seemingly we do know there's plenty of people out there who are still not happy with wizards of the coast who are still go- who are going to remain unhappy with wizards of the coast um and no matter what they do no matter what wizards does no matter where they put their content Plenty of people are not going to be happy. Mm-hmm. Um, I did see Paizo came out with a statement once Wizards posted this and said, we support them putting on Creative Commons license, but we're going to continue going forward with the ORC. Yeah, And all these other um, content creators are still continuing to plan, are, are, con- are planning to continue creating their new systems, creating their new tabletop games. I think that... Uh, what wizards has done has definitely is definitely going to hurt their bottom line for years to come.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It will. Um, one quick note for it to be under the SRD, the character has to be mentioned in name in the system reference document. I don't know for sure if it is, what I do know is I'm looking at the spells list right now and some things that have, that would have names, uh, hand, arcane hand, Mm -hmm. uh, the Magnificent Mansion is just Magnificent Mansion. It's not Mordenkainen. Is it Mordenkainen's? Morden? Morden yep. Canons. It's not Mordenkainen's. So there are certain names that have been excluded from spell names, which would imply that they are keeping certain characters under their own copyright, which I think is perfectly fair. Sure. But they're still giving you access to the spell. Mechanics. they just Absolutely.
0: Fine. It's been that way for whatever.
1: Samuel did some digging, though.
0: Digging, digging, digging.
1: Digging deep and into... Let's have a little insight into why a board of directors can be so disconnected from their product to not realize how bad this is going right. into it. So there, we got this article on N World asking, where are the board gamers? This is... This references, we talked a lot last year on various episodes of the podcast, the Fox uh, activist group that owns a large portion of Hasbro that was trying to spin off Wizards of the Coast. And I think we can now see in more detail why they wanted to spin off Wizards of the Coast from Hasbro. Claiming that a lot of Hasbro's board of directors don't really know what they're doing when it comes to the products that Wizards of the Coast offers. The core ones being Magic the Gathering, the card game, and D&D, the tabletop RPG. When it comes to card game players, Alta Fox wanted to put up John Finkel, who is a large Magic the Gathering personality that has a large following in the Magic the Gathering community, up as a member of the board. He would have been the only he didn't he didn't end up on the board. Though. No, they went with another with other choices. Because they don't have anyone on the board that plays trading card games. Mm-hmm. Probably a bit of a problem when you create trading card game. Arguably the biggest in the world. Up there with Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh, yeah. Arguably bigger than both of them. Video gamers. Prior to uh, Chris Cox's appointment as the CEO of Hasbro, there was one board member who was already in the digital gaming space. Hope Cochran was appointed back in 2016, the managing director of Madrona Venture Group, a technology-focused venture capital group. Had experience with video games, digital gaming, which when you hear the various executives at Hasbro saying we want to monetize D&D like Like a a video video game, game, you can see where that's coming from. And then for tabletop gamers, again, not really anyone that plays tabletop games. Therein lies the core problem. All of these... All of these... The board of directors have a lot of experience with monetization, with selling products, Mm -hmm. as any good board of directors should. But when it comes to... the specifics of the trading card game space and the tabletop gaming space, they seemed like they were lacking a lot of experience.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, we can see this in... uh. We got a we got a huge dose of this in the quote unquote fireside chat. (laughs) I will still (laughs) rage against that entire thing they did. It was just an investors meeting and (sighs) simple things from uh, uh, Chris Cox, Chris Cax, having to explain when he went to cocktail parties. Oh cocktail parties what he yep. does oh i'm you know being oh. back when he he said he was uh the head of wizards of coats people wouldn't know what that mean, meant in his circles which is fine yeah. but you're trying to develop and sell products to a very unique space which i hope they've they've started to learn uh that from this whole debacle yeah um that the the people in that space are not. They the probably, probably so many people in the space play video games, but they we are not playing a video game right now. No. We don't want we're not going to look for for that next that next skin to come out. We're not yeah. looking for little bits, you know, at one extra mission. We have we have exp- we have shown over the past 20 something years and at uh, well, God, 30 years of Magic the Gathering and farther for that in D&D, what we want. And the people at Wizards of the Coast up at the top, the ones making the decisions, the ones at Hasbro have decided that they don't see themselves as as selling that product anymore. They're just selling a product that can make money. Yeah, um, it, it is even mentioned here that in Chris Cox's like statement of who he is, just just digital is mentioned 5 times in his profile. And we've and and that was one thing when he became ha- uh, head of Hasbro was that he wanted to really get into the digital space,
1: which I think we're all in favor of. Oh, getting yeah. getting tabletop like D&D beyond as a service is really good. Oh yeah. The video games
0: that they put out highly yeah. anticipated Baldur's Gate. Um but this whole this whole thing I think is shown that you can by not understanding your audience Mm -hmm. by not having someone to say to to look to for actual advice um is really going to hurt your bottom line
1: absolutely absolutely i want to re i want to reiterate it is not wrong as a company to want to make money no, that's that's what makes them a company. This is this is what gives us D and D is them making products and selling them and having a profit. Profit motivations are not bad. Only having profit motivations are bad. That being said, I have seen many very I've seen various TikToks, I've seen various tweets, articles, talking about all these different things that they could have done mm-hmm. to monetize D and D, and I think. We, we've compiled a wonderful little menagerie of things that could make D&D and D&D Beyond a fucking cash cow and make everyone that subscribes to it immensely happy. Yeah. So they've been very explicit in their intent to make more money from what they believe is a, quote, under-monetized Dungeons & Dragons platform. They think that because when they release a book, if you're releasing a campaign setting at a table of... Five players in a DM. The DM buys the campaign setting, which of their customers it's one sixth, mm-hmm. one fifth, whatever it is. There's a, a lot very s- smaller, a small, and a small chunk will buy campaign settings. Will buy like some of the core rule books. Like you don't need a Dungeon Master's Guide as a player. You don't need a Monster Manual as a player. You need those as DMs. Mm-hmm. The things that everyone buys are the rule supplements. Your Xanathar's Guide to Everything, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, that kind of stuff. So for one, you could just make more of those. But you need you need your campaign settings. You need... that. was the whole point of the OGL in the first place? I was going to say, yeah. Was <laughs> for people to create their own campaign <laughs> settings and adventures. Now, <laughs> they it's clear through what they've said with D&D Beyond specifically trying to revoke the OGL, D&D Beyond being a $30 monthly subscription which is outrageous. Wanting to create AI dungeon masters to encourage more people to play with like just a group of players and then a machine to handle the rules, which is again ludicrous. They're trying to set up D&D Beyond as their Netflix or game or like Xbox Game Pass subscription service that just does does it all for you and then they just put everything on there. I think it would be immensely smarter for them to look at D&D Beyond as, like, their Steam library. Mm -hmm. For example, make a subsection of D&D Beyond a homebrew portal like they've done with the DMs Guild or, like, exists with DriveThruRPG. OGL, or now, I guess, Creative Commons, content could be required to be listed on their platform, uh, but not limited to their platform only. This would give them a percentage cut of all homebrew sales, all of them, mm-hmm. they want to monetize homebrew through royalties. Why not create this rich platform built into D and D Beyond, where they could sell their homebrew? Where we could sell communities homebrew. The cut on Drive RPG and the DM's Guild is like fifty to forty percent. They could take twenty percent, which would is still. A fifth of all earned money from content they didn't make—that's mm-hmm. just posted. Like they host the content. Twenty percent is still a large cut for that. They could make they could make it industry standard, seemingly, and make it forty percent and make a lot of money there too. But like undercutting them a little bit, it would drive people to their platform so that they would post on D and D Beyond for their homebrew. Yeah,
0: I mean, like you mentioned, the DM's skill and drives the RPG. Wizards does get a cut from that, but then these other websites also get a cut from that. Yeah. So like you're saying, undercut, I mean, no one likes the term undercut anymore, but um, it's not like, it's not like they would, it's not malicious. It's just, they would, we're creating a competitor. We were competing. And, and if you got to skip that middleman and mm-hmm. yeah, instead of having, cause right now when we post on drive through RPG, if you if you buy something through us, I think it's what sixty percent to us, sixty percent to us, forty percent to Drive Through RPG, and and then Drive Through RPG splits between themselves and Wizards. So yeah, go to, to go directly to which, Wizards. By the way,
1: if you want to support us, you can check the link, the link <laughs> through in the bio. We have the Blood Magic and Hemocraft supplement for four ninety nine, which we would get by that math three bucks, three bucks, three bucks from. And we also have our yearly compendium of free homebrew. Uh, for five ninety nine, which we will update yearly, and it is just an all in one place for all of the homebrew we released that is free, and some smattering of choices from our paid homebrew as well at drive Yeah, which
0: but exactly. But if uh if <laughs> if we were able to go directly to DMD Beyond post our homebrew and let's say they decided to take twenty percent, if we got four dollars instead of three dollars and they got one dollar still,
1: they would be get. Here is the thing, we have much go over there five dollar five dollars for homebrew. Creator gets three. Drive-Thru RPG gets two. How much does Wizards of the Coast get of that? 50 cents? A dollar? Yeah. They could just host it themselves, take the dollar straight from the creator, and the creator's going to be getting more money, and then they're going to be getting more money, and one of their competitors didn't get any money. Not to mention the fact that this homebrew portal... They could create a back end tool set. We use homebrewery yes. to make delicious looking homebrew. Mm. It's delicious, tasty, tasty. They have the web developers available, or they could—they're they, fucking Hasbro. They could hire to create a back end portal that makes it a lot easier to create good looking homebrew create an interface that's user-friendly that you can type up all of your, you can build your homebrew on the site, it creates a version of it that you can download as a PDF, and then through their built-in system, it can automatically be integrated into D&D Beyond, and so if someone buys your homebrew, they can print the PDF, that it's automatically in their list of content available to them on their D&D Beyond account to be integrated into their games, and it creates a channel with which creators can make content more easily, mm-hmm. just for them. They create it's the vertical integration ideology, which I think is brilliant. I like that seems like a no brainer. If they want the whole point of this OGL thing is to make more money off of the homebrew, they can do that and probably make a lot more money. If they're only charging royalties for the top 20 fucking creators that do homebrew or trying to get like special contracts, why not get a twenty, thirty, forty percent rip off everything?
0: And not a it, it, it would be far less substantial to everybody.
1: you can you could even you can even set it up where it's like if if you use Creative Commons content in the SRD, or you use OGL 1.0a, you can publish it anywhere. But if you publish it on our, exclusively on D&D Beyond, you can access any published materials to include in your own content. With, obviously, some limitations. Like, you can't just copy-paste their book and then sell it for $5. <laughs> you like With certain certain rule sets need to be enabled there but they could give you more access to dnd officially published content to include in your own homebrew like being able to create a strahd campaign with strahd mm-hmm. with barovia with stuff that's in the cursor like stuff that's hinted at in the cursor strahd and you can expand it or you can change a stat block and all this kind of stuff that would drive even more people to create on their website over RPG and the DMs Guild, even though the DMs Guild already has a partnership with them Yeah. to begin with. Next, this homebrew portal could have back-end support for Patreon and Kickstarter. They already are trying to get a rip-off of their creating this unnecessary royalty for certain amounts that are raised on Kickstarter. Yeah,
0: which Kickstarter said, no, no. No, no. No, no.
1: We're not, help- we're not, we're not in with you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it- that was an entire the fact that they picked kickstarter of all and like didn't approach patreon i think is a little ridiculous but they could have a back end where they can have this set of tools that creators can use integrated into patreon integrated into kickstarter and then they become a distribution channel for those crowdfunding options There's already integration in Kickstarter or in uh, Patreon for like Discord benefits on the back end. Mm -hmm. So you link your Discord account with Patreon and when you subscribe at a certain level, you get access to certain channels, roles, benefits on a Discord server. That kind of integration can happen with D&D Beyond too. There's plenty of websites that should be doing this, by the way, and there really aren't any other than Discord, which I think is ludicrous to begin with. But... Having that integration where it's like, okay, I have my Kickstarter account. I want to back this project. Oh, if I link my D and D Beyond account, I can get immediate access to things on D and D Beyond through this kickstarting company, and then it's all just integrated together. They then get access to <laughs> possibly a rip of like one percent of a Kickstarter, or just becoming the distribution channel encourages people to use D and D Beyond which encourages more people to subscribe to D&D Beyond, which is what they want. Yeah. Lastly, when it comes to this, it would allow them to directly regulate the types of content. Their big big push for the proposed OGL 1.1 and 1.2 was they wanted to regulate content so that people weren't using... D&D stuff to make, racist, homophobic, misogynistic, blockchain, NFT, all that kind of stuff. By creating their own distribution platform, they can more strictly regulate what content is being made, and if something is bad, they can remove it Yeah, entirely. What do you think of this proposal? Because this seems like... They want to monetize D&D Beyond. They want to push people to D&D Beyond. They want to get a rip from homebrew creators. They want to regulate this content that is made. And not to mention, all of that content can then be easily integrated into their virtual tabletop platform that they're developing for one D&D. Creating this hub where it's like you have your D&D Beyond subscription, which gives you access. Maybe it gives you like a flat discount on homebrew stuff on Mm -hmm. their homebrew store. You can also have your free D&D Beyond account. And you can buy a la carte and you can buy your homebrew a la carte. And, you know, maybe they can make certain. It's like, I want to make my homebrew free. I want to make it pay what you want. I want to make like all that kind of stuff that you expect. And suddenly D&D Beyond becomes this like one-stop shop for everything.
0: That, that would be, I think we were talking about this last or, you know, uh, when, when recently and you had a really good analogy is, you know, Wizards of the Coast. However many years ago, let's say 20 years ago when the OGL came out, just for funsies, they came in, they built a store. They built a storefront on this block. And then over time, other stores were like, hey, they're really they're really doing well. You know, Paizo set up across the street. But then it's like, oh, there's a dice maker that's going to set up down here. And maybe this guy is doing homebrew over here. And they could have done this. They could have been like, hey, you're doing really great. Maybe we can just knock down this wall and while we sell our our, our pastries, let's say they were a pastry shop in this, this sure. metaphor, while we sell our croissants, maybe you can sell homebrew guy your coffee. We don't want to make coffee. You sell coffee. And, and they could have done, oh, hey, let's make a, you know, let's come over here and sell your stuff through our shop. But instead they decided, all right. We're going to take this rocket launcher we found and <laughs> blow up the blow up the block. So yeah. we're the only one. They again, maybe this goes back to the ineptitude of the of the people who are running this and their lack of knowledge in the area, or maybe it maybe it just goes the fact that again, Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro are a corporation. Absolutely, they don't care about you and your feelings. They only care about their bottom line. The people at Wizards care about your feelings. And that's how we were able to push through a lot of these things, because there were lovely people who leaked all this stuff to
1: us, who told us what was happening um, behind the scenes, who broke their their non-disclosure agreements. And if Wizards of the Coast knows who they are, if Hasbro knows who they are, are blacklisted now. Yeah. But so all that said,
0: this would be a great idea. And, you know, Wizards of the Coast just... Again, they're just looking at their bottom line, and they're not taking in the suggestions, and they're not looking – that it's hard to believe that they're even looking at the other – that they're actually looking at people who – at video games and how those things might integrate. Like, how video games are allowed to stream on Twitch, and – or how, you know – I can't imagine that there's not somebody who has a Patreon account that follows some random person and, and now has access to a special Discord – it's just hard to believe that all that stuff is just being missed by the higher-ups. Well,
1: obviously Patreon, very big in the gaming space, very video big. gaming space. And tabletop. And tabletop. And tape, it's, it's big in a lot of online crea- creator spaces. Patreon, Kickstarter, all the same. Well, no, they're not the same, but all those kinds of things. They have very little knowledge of video games in the Hasbro boardroom Mm -hmm. and they see Fortnite where you sell $20 skins on a free game you see they see Warzone they see Apex Legends Battle Pass they see like that kind of content and they're like oh they're just paying them constantly for all this cosmetic shit that doesn't really mean anything that's very easy to produce and they wanted to try and replicate that the very nature of tabletop gaming and the very community that has built and grown D&D to the point that they could even have that conversation in the first place won't allow for that, and they don't recognize that. This seems... Th- this whole D&D Beyond being a homebrew portal in and of itself, which, by the way, they could make a much slicker interface than the DMs Guild or Drive Through RPG. Yeah, not
0: to hate on those two websites, but... um They are 2008 college and would like their web design
1: back. They are old. They are very, very old looking. But they're the biggest ones. The biggest ones. They don't need to change. D&D Beyond could disrupt this industry entirely in a positive way. They could. Will they? Imagine imagine that universe. One D&D, their virtual tabletop, D&D Beyond subscription functioning how it is now. In addition, an entire subset of D&D Beyond that is a homebrew marketplace with back-end tools where creators can make content, with content that is published, integrated and formatted for D&D Beyond. By the very nature of using their tool sets, you can download it as a PDF. It's integrated into your accounts. You can include it in your virtual campaigns. Is it can be creators could make 3D models to include on virtual tabletops. And that's not even to mention if they really wanted to. They could get into the physical goods industry and try and create their own Etsy, their own Amazon offering. I mean, yeah, if you, especially if you integrated these homebrew
0: stuff, like uh, uh, you know, click have a button that says I would like this as a
1: as a D and D or as a D and D book, please send it to me. You know, there are plenty of I mean, uh, functions like that exist on DriveThruRPG RPG and the DM's Guild already, where you can get a physically published version mm-hmm. of something you buy. All of that could be integrated. They could create their own, like the amount of dice makers is ridiculous. The amount that people are willing to buy, like pay for, for a set of dice is incredible. Is unbelievable. I've,
0: I've, yeah, I've seen sets of of seven polyhedral dice going for over a hundred
1: dollars. Well, over a hundred dollars. Well, over a hundred dollars. And Etsy gets a cut of that. Etsy's not a tabletop RPG storefront. Mm-hmm. The amount, there's so much creativity in this space. There's so much talent in this space from the fans.
0: There's it, also not a lack of interest in buying all these things. Not at all. It feels like the, the. It feels like they think over at Wizards of the Coast they think that oh, there's only so many people playing this and these people are only going to pay only just the, the minimum amount of money they had no if you give people a good product if you give the people the things they want especially nerds who oh yeah a lot of nerds have very well paying jobs um a lot of pe- a lot of nerds are going to uh you know hold aside money okay i've paid my bills all right do i want to buy this random thing over here, or do I want to save my money and buy some new magic cards, some new D and D books, a mini? I we have again, we have so many friends that, and mm-hmm. we ourselves have done it where it's like, I'm not going to renew my my whatever subscription this month just yeah. because I see something coming down the pike that I want from Wizards of the Coast. We've done that in the past. the 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 money is there, and it's open. It's free. It's innumerable. Mm-hmm. It could be coming into Wizards of the Coast, but that's not what
1: they see, apparently. I, you, the physical goods thing aside, they could create store.wizards.com that integrates with D&D Beyond, that integrates with Magic Online, that with all this kind of shit. And then they could list all of their products there for you to buy. Which, by the way, it's really difficult and not intuitive at all to buy products direct from Wizard. Mm-hmm. There's so many companies that create a product and then they have their own website, which kind of sucks. And then they list it on Amazon. They list it on Etsy. They list it on wherever they want to sell it. Mm -hmm. Wizards... (sighs) Hasbro has the capital that if they really, really wanted to... And the physical goods thing could just be an addition down the line. Creating the homebrew portal that integrates with D&D Beyond with backend tools that make it easy to create good looking content. That if you use the tools, you can export the PDF and you can put it somewhere else, but by the nature of you exporting the PDF, you gotta list it on our site. You're not allowed to export it unless it is listed here as well. So you can list it here, you can list it wherever you want. So if you want to, like, if we were like, we really would like to stay with Drive-Thru RPG. We can use their tool sets, and we can listen on D and D Beyond, and we can not promote it. We can not acknowledge that account exists, and then we can listen on Drive Through RPG. Like it, it's so easy. Maybe not easy in like actually creating it. Obviously, they need to spend a lot of money and integrate it into D and D Beyond, which cost a lot of money. You got to hire the developers. You got to get the
0: tools that you don't probably already have. You need more licenses. It's but again, when when half of Hasbro's profits come from wizards of the coast which has two ips two products two products not because hasbro has transformers power rangers my little pony uh, uh i think they have peppa pig and a bunch they have just so many products just and yet so many. monopoly like they, oh yeah and yet you're you the other half of your company is two products wizards of the coast D D. Or match of the gathering.
1: <laughs> the Wizards
0: of the Coast is now selling themselves. I mean, hire Chris Perkins to come to your house and. I mean, if Chris Perkins had an OnlyFans,
1: like a ta- like a tasteful, a OnlyFans. tasteful OnlyFans, like a Markiplier level right. OnlyFans. Maybe I mean, he's
0: maybe he just re- the whole uh, the whole OnlyFans is just clips of him reading the monster manual. Just.
1: Ancient white dragon ancient nobody's but he's, but he's doing it like Matt Mercer style in front of a fireplace with like a, with like a, a glass um, of brandy like glass of brandy and like this velvet red robe with <laughs> nothing on underneath and he's just got his legs crossed and he's like the beholder beholders are found and just <laughs> just he wouldn't make a non insignificant amount of money doing that.
0: <laughs> what are we talking about?
1: I think we we're we we're kind
0: of wrapping up our thoughts on uh, on the fact on on what Wizards, what wizards what ha- d beyond could have been could be still hypothetically um look there were so many good ideas and I uh, you know referencing back to there was the whole Hadozi um and racism issue that the wizards of the coast went through where they had uh just several months back where, where they came out later and said look we, we messed up they came out instantly and said we messed up but they came out later and said this is why we messed up you would because you know editors are overworked and underpaid and they didn't have enough consultants uh, cultural consultants but it's still mind boggling how a company that has just experienced this that probably accounts for what, uh, 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 almost a quarter of their profits can just not think of more creative ways than yeah. we're just going to charge people more money and treat them, treat them like cows. It, it,
1: yeah. it's just, There is not a lack of creativity at Wizards of the Coast. There is not a lack of caring at Wizards of the Coast. There is a lack of, oh, 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 oh sparkling water down.
0: Wicked. Go ahead and
1: keep talking. Wow. He's gone. He's leaving. He left. I can say whatever I want right now. You cannot say whatever. I can say whatever. I can say wibbly wobbly scoobbly woobbly. You can, I, can and do- I don't know why you would. But I did. Anyway. There's not a lack of creative talent and drive at Wizards of the Coast. There's a lack of understanding of what products should be released and how they should make money from it hopefully all of this nonsense creates an environment where we can get the D&D beyond that's worth subscribing to and worth staying subscribed to and in a way that benefits the community and can make Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast fucking beyond wealthy create literally this whole thing, the whole OGL controversy, spawned from we want to make more money from content that is being created using content we've made. Yeah, they can do that in a way that benefits them a lot more than what this would have done, and in a way that benefits the community and create and drives people to subscribe to D and D Beyond and creates integration for their new products and 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 if only they're willing to open their eyes. Feel free to tell them. Yeah. that'd be. Gr- I think it's a great idea, personally.
0: I bet if AltaFox went back to them right now and said, hey, either A, make the changes we want, or B, said, hey, let's try to spin them off again, there might be a little more support for AltaFox this time. Oh, or yeah. whatever in- disruptive group uh, wants to come in. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Yes.
1: All right. We- at this point, at this point, we like to go to the TikTok live chat as well as the Discord server for any questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and/or ideas that the audience would like to write in. You can do that on our Discord server. You can do that on our TikTok during the live when we record this podcast live. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube. Get some content that is in the works, but it's in the works. <laughs> you can our aforementioned drive-through RPG can buy homebrew from us. There's also free monthly releases. We didn't do one this month because, well, everything was scary. Everything (laughs) was scary. Everything was scary. So we didn't put one out this month, but we will next month in February. You can also go to the Instagram. Sam runs. Do a lot of shorts there. We've been been doing some Magic the Gathering and D&D shorts on the YouTube and the Instagram. And we haven't really published any of them on TikTok. We might. We, pro- we probably should try.
0: Well, we have other... Co- uh, the, our main content on it's TikTok is... two isn't? different things. It's
1: two different things. Two different things. And we also have now an Amazon affiliate storefront where you can go and buy various products from Amazon using our link. And it, it gives us a little kickback and it helps us okay. out. It doesn't cost you anything. Nope. You could even go and change your uh, your browser's bookmark for Amazon to the one with our link. And yeah. then whatever you buy... Remember. Benefits us. Only uh, us. Only affects Amazon. Only affects Amazon. Go fuck over Amazon. Yeah. You, so many people hate Amazon and they want to take money from Amazon. Well, here's a way that you can they take give, money from Amazon, and yeah. it us. Does. Yeah, ah, doesn't ah. cost you anything more. Doesn't cost you anything more, and it helps support the Dungeon Bros. And
0: until we have a more direct line of of uh, of content, of ways to get a get, you know help us out, all the free ways of of going to these things, subscribing, sharing, all the all the stuff, And likes, comments, and sending us hearts.
1: All right. So let's, uh, we would normally go to the Discord, and uh, as per usual, we plan things horribly. We'll do better in the Indeed. future. There's been there's been plenty of discussions on the Discord related to Magic the Gathering and wanting to play Spell Table and Commander's games and all that kind of, we, there's been plenty of chats about D&D Beyond and all of this nonsense as well, so all go right. check it out, please. It's recently streamlined and had some channels removed, had some channels added, it's a, lot more easier. it's a lot easier to so what you're get saying, a look around.
0: What you're saying is there's no questions on the Discord. Uh, that is correct. All right. Well, uh, we do turn to the TikTok chat, and we have a few questions here. Um, I will say that Mystery Sniper, I don't think they're back yet, but they were in earlier. They said that the water bottle not having cap on it gives them anxiety.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh I'm gonna the ter- shout them in the Discord. <laughs> oh how the turntables continue to turn. Mystery Sniper a a a regular of the TikTok lives, particularly of the Magic the Gathering streams. We've been playing Magic the Gathering. We've been doing a variant of Commander called Brawl, which is a two player game. We've been doing that live on the TikTok. All right. Okay. Been, we try to do it. We've been trying to do it once twice a week.
0: Acrylic Shark asks, What's your favorite character build concept you have encountered? My favorite. Your favorite character build or concept that you've encountered.
1: Now, I am a very big fan of sword and sorcery. The spell. The spell slinger with a sword. Mm -hmm. My favorite build is probably the swords bard with just a little dash of Hexblade Warlock. Mm. Just a small little... little... little snapperoon of the Hexblade Warlock. Literally, one or two levels of Hexblade Warlock. You can use your charisma for all of your attacks. You get access to the Eldritch Blast cantrip, a better offensive cantrip than anything that the Bard gets access to. And then, you get access to... Bardic Inspiration, which you can then later use for swordplay maneuvers, in addition to being a full spellcaster with a full range of spells, and then you get some short cast, or short rest re-ups, re-ups for a couple of first level spells, and you can get like Armor of agathis you get access to shield, you Love get Armor access to all this kind of warlocky stuff that really helps out a gish character as it is known, mm-hmm. swords and spellcasting. That one I'm particularly fond of. I'm also particularly fond of the moon druid that takes some levels in barbarians so they can rage while being in their combat wild shape but if I were to pick one swords
0: bard hexblade warlock I am a big fan of this is less of a specific build and more of a category which is the one that somebody comes up with and optimizes on their own I feel mm. there's so many that are like in the meta there shouldn't be a coffee model. lock the coffee lock. The those, sorcerer
1: warlock is a classic.
0: Those that you might see on uh, on a little channel called D and D Shorts, where mm. he yells at you about some some really broken things, um, very very specific things. Yes, but <laughs> I don't like that style. I like if somebody comes up and they're like, "Man, I've been playing. I want to play this." Well, for me, it's a necromancer. I always love a necromancer. Um, not a vampire. Who is it? not a romantic vampire? That's a necromancer. Um, but a necromancer but if somebody comes up with that and they're like oh this option over here is really cool and maybe it's not the best but it works really well when I can do it and it's fun that's the kind of build I like to see
1: how dare you just gloss over that
0: horrific pun it's, it's in my it's how in my bl- dare you uh, let's see <laughs> the return one two three four says you guys should play footsie who says we aren't uh, well they can see our feet on the oh oh they can Oh, wow. Here. Um, oh, there he nope, is. That, there he uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. And give, me them, okay. give me them toesies. Don't touch me. Give me them toesies. Uh, don't touch me. Uh <laughs> They also say what does the guy on the left get the comfy chair that's not fair it's because i bought this chair
1: he bought that chair and we we've we've turned part of his office the, our part of his we have a three bedroom apartment i have the master bedroom he gets the two other ones because he works from home so one of them is his office and we turned part of his office into our live streaming setup for the podcast as well as our match of gathering streams which is this lovely table that used to be his desk he recently got a new desk and we moved it over here I pull in. I pull in the uncomfy chair and I put the cat bed on it. The mm-hmm. <laughs> cat doesn't use it. <laughs> cat does not use it very often at all. And when she does, it's for brief periods of time. Oh, our good friend Pirate Tom, love, love, Mister Tom, the
0: the Pirate Tom. Sorry, Sarg. Uh, says I believe this was back when we were talking about wizards making the dump onto Creative Commons. Says we need to make sense move checks. I think they are trying to distract us. I agree. I I think they are going to like well we know one of their employees came out and said hey they're hoping they that the internet forgets about this and comes back in and yeah. several months
1: and tries some of this again. When that's that's the thing is be happy that OGL 1.0A is not going anywhere. Be happy that the 5E system reference document is creative commons. We can we are allowed to be happy about that. You are also allowed to not resubscribe to D&D Beyond until after one D&D is out. Cuz once one D&D is out and all of this stuff is established, it's going to be a lot harder to change it. So at the end of this year when they start announcing release dates, schedules, plans for what they're going to be doing for open for OGL stuff, for is it going to is the SRD going to be creative once they start making those announcements for one D&D. Then we can go on the offensive again if they try to pull this shit again, which I wouldn't hold it past them. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't but put it past them. At this point, we know how to make them, make them kneel. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I said kneel. Um, let's see. As a seller of products in the new space, you don't need to mess with something. This is pirate, the pirate Tom again. Uh, that works. I think it should, that I believe wizards should evolve, but too much bad content is worse than no content. Um, and some other things to that. Here's what I what I I agree. There is, unfortunately, even in the current uh, the pirate Tom. I don't know if this is exactly what you're referencing, but I'm I'm going to use this as a jumping off point. Um, the idea that the that no content is better or no whatever no D and D no content is better than bad D and D or bad content. I would agree in a lot of cases. Unfortunately, the the systems that are already up and running, um, um, DMs Guild, Drive Through RPG, uh, just the fact that there are so many people playing and and ex- telling their experiences of running of playing in a game with a bad DM or a or a toxic player or something, all that stuff is already there. And the only evolving at this point that wizards would do would be to absorb all of that bad stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, when it comes to me personally, we've been saying that wizards of the coast has been releasing way too many products.
0: Oh, I mean, I, I, I yes, absolutely. Both in magic and in D and D
1: and D I would be totally fine if I would, I would have been happy if the swan song for fifth edition D&D was Dragonlance and then they were like, see you most of the way through next year. Obviously, as a company, you can't do that. No, you need to release products. But I, I'm, I'm much more in favor of like, fuck off, go away. Make people want your product again. Then come back with something that's good as opposed to just stringing us along with like kind of shit. You can see that you can see that in so many spaces. We were talking plenty about video games. Look at what happened. Look what happened to Halo. Look what happened to the Halo franchise. A couple of games made by Bungie that were really good. They were the Xbox flagship, extremely popular, mm-hmm. extremely popular. Bungie wants to move on to the next thing. They create 343 Industries, a, a game developer that is specifically designed to shepherd Halo. And they release game after game after game after game that misses the mark every single time. Halo 5 was not well-received. It's not a good game by most people's standard. Halo Infinite is out now and released with a lot of problems. A lot of problems and people are not happy with 343 Studios at At all. They just had had a bunch of massive layoffs Mm -hmm. at, at Microsoft. They laid off a lot of people a lot they laid off people from 343 and Bethesda which I thought was weird yeah but the way that people the way that you can fix Halo stop making Halo for a little while yeah. let it let it go away let people want it again mm-hmm. and then down the line when there's new technologies when there's new options available to them give it to any of the other great developers that they have to do something creative and unique with Oh, yeah. People People need to want a product to buy it. In, in, I haven't been wanting D&D books. No. In, a, in, like, the last year, didn't really want Spelljammer. Dragonlance is the one that I've wanted the most. I haven't read it. We've had it for, like, a month. Yeah. I've barely looked through it at all. The last book that I, like, really actively wanted was Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. That's been a while. And that's been a while. It's been a while.
0: I... A really good example of this, actually, is directly what you're speaking about, is the Dead Space remake. Yeah, it came out on Friday. I bought it. I mainlined it for three days, and you know what they did? They, like you said, they waited. The last game, the for the original Dead Space came out in 2008. Then we had Dead Space Two a couple years later, and Dead Space Three a couple of years. Then nothing, and then they said, "All right, we're going to come back. We're going to remake it." And you know what they did? They remade it properly. They did it, the upgrade graphics. They mm-hmm. did. They changed some of the mechanics that were clunky from the from the original. They changed some of the story that was clunky from the original. Overall, the Dead Space remake... Also, the Dead Space remake dropped and didn't need 75 patches to make yep. it playable. Yep. Oh, my gosh. A, a, an unfortunate rarity in today's current market of, of
1: games. V- video games requiring the day one patch to fix basic coding problems you're better I've I've been of the mind that when it comes to video games specifically you are better off waiting two weeks after release to buy and play a game Mm -hmm. or waiting a month two months wait till it comes out Oh yeah! Like this whole pre-order culture of like go out and oh my gosh I love this series I'm gonna put all my money in like six months before the game comes out sometimes before it even has an, a release date yeah and then you get this game and you play it day one and it fucking sucks mm-hmm. and then maybe two three weeks down the line it's pretty good but at that point you've already been soured on it because you've played half or more of the game and it sucked yeah with all these bugs problems design issues just it's not worth it am i going to go out and buy kingdom hearts 4 and play it on the night it's released yes yes i will will i be buying persona 6 and playing it the day that it is released yes yes i will but you want to know what two game series didn't really have that problem i mean if they released apex legends 2 i would i would i would wait a little while (laughs) yeah (laughs) like call of duty call of duty is usually pretty fine but like gotta give it a little while for the network infrastructure to catch up oh yeah wouldn't play halo out of the gate wouldn't play even even some like sony first party games wouldn't really want to play right out of the gate (sighs) regardless all right this is not a video game podcast no
0: we do love video games. We do. Uh, Pirate Tom says uh, mentions that all oh, the integration Discord integrations you can do with D and D Beyond and things like that,
1: rolling for characters, dexterity save. Uh, they do have d and D Beyond Discord bot called the Avray bot that mm, integrates yep. with D and D Beyond. One he's mentioning uh, also a bot, a bot that is included on the Dungeon Bros Discord server. Ooh, Invite okay. link available in link tree in the bio. Free to everyone.
0: Free to everyone. Uh, and then oh the. Referencing what happened with four E. Yeah. How that was just a whole thing. Yeah. But RTGO boom. Four artifact creatures, four rune stalagmites, coat of arms and dark store dark steel forge. What? That's uh that's a that's a combination of creatures and artifacts in magic. I know Coat of arms gives every creature that shares a type with another creature plus one plus one so if you have a goblin shaman and two goblins on the field and a goblin and a shaman both the goblin and the shaman get plus one and the goblin shaman gets plus two um, anyway why I don't know <laughs> I don't see anything else from the RT, <laughs> RTGO boom but uh, uh a lot of talk. sometimes people just say things at least it was magic the gathering related
1: yeah fair
0: Hasbro uh are Let's see. RM Vartan points out that Hasbro promised their investors a 50% increase in profits by 2026 during a recession.
1: Yes. Great idea. Yes. Really, really, really. Because
0: unfortunately they saw a 50% increase, which they hoped to do over five years. They saw it in three years and then they're just like, we can do more.
1: Yeah. It's almost like people had a lot of uh, free time.
0: Yep, they are they are out of their way, out, they're way out on a limb and scrounging for anything that looks good on paper for yeah. the next quarter. Yeah, I, I think that is pretty much the summation of everything that has happened in the past two months. And um, it's really unfortunate because we were there are so many people invested in this game. We have we have internet friends who play. She said she plays in um, five streamed games a week. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot of games. That's a lot of games. That's a lot of D and D in your life. And Wizards of the Coast, and Hasbro have have ruined themselves. Yep. Back to our initial metaphor, they have soiled themselves. Soiled. soiled it. Soiled it. Soiled it. Well, that's about. That's about. Uh, that's about what we got. That's about all we got. There's a lot of conversation in
1: the chat. It was a very active chat. Love, love an active chat. Love an active chat. There's plenty of activity in our uh, Magic the Gathering live streams that we do. We play a variant of Commander called Brawl. It is a two-player game. And uh, we like Commander, so we play that. And we've been known to play it at our house. And we were like, you know what? We should just put a Put up Connor's phone and live stream <laughs> it. Why not? And apparently people are really into that. So, yeah. we, so we
0: have lovely chats with uh, yeah. people in our in our, in our our uh, TikTok live chat while that's going on. So yeah. join us for one of those sometime. They're much
1: less dour. Much less, much less dour. And uh, if you want to, you can get notified. You can change your uh, notifications on TikTok so that you get notified when we go live. You can follow us on TikTok. You can subscribe to us on the YouTube, where despite the fact we don't really release much other than some shorts and uh, the podcast every two weeks, uh, still just steadily, steadily increasing in the subscriber count. We are inching ever closer to the golden monetization ratio. The golden monetization ratio. Of 1,000 subs and 4,000 watch hours, which we would love to have. That'd be wonderful. That'd be great. You can follow us on the Instagram, where we post... Basically the same shorts. In addition mm-hmm. to various, uh, we, we we like we were trying to post more photos and stuff, trying to keep up with what's current in the news cycle of D and D. Find us on their RPG, free monthly homebrew. In addition to our Blood Magic and Hemocraft supplement and our compendium, which will forever be updated with our free homebrew and um, the 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 podcast services round the globe. Round the globe, Apple. Google Podcast, Google, Spotify, Spotify. probably iHeartRadio. I think it's on there. I, Pandora, don't Heart Radio. Fair. The uh, the the space heaters that you all bought for the the winter snap. I think a couple of them you can stream the podcast on.
0: Yeah, just have to click it to the right uh, the right setting and yep. make sure your cat doesn't lay in front of it.
1: We're we're working on we're working on an Elgato Stream Deck. Uh, plug-in so that you can just play the podcast by pressing one of the buttons. Yeah, that On the, the Stream Deck, you, can, you just press that button, it'll play the podcast. We're doing, we're doing this all um, for you. I'll totally. Totally. This isn't just a dumb bit that I am unwilling to let die. Well, anyway, with that, with that being said, we love you very much, and in the meantime, peace.